Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to Grab the Glory with Holly Smith. My name is Holly Smith, and this is a production of Lion and Lamb Ministries. Today, we are talking about the new covenant. What is it? What does it mean? And how can you take advantage of it? I'm going to tell you. Every single believer on the planet should be excited about this message because this is going to set you free in a lot of ways. Because what you think is, I need to work really hard. I need to show up to church every single Sunday. I need to read my Bible at least 15 minutes a day. And then maybe God will love me. Then maybe I'll have pleased him. Then maybe I get all the way into heaven. No, that's not it at all, guys. It's not it at all. We are not in a workspace covenant. We're not in a workspace religion. We're not in a workspace belief system. Works are not a part of this at all. There's one person's work that's a part of this, and that is Jesus. Okay, so let's get into it. We're going to start in Hebrews. Okay, Hebrews chapter one, verse one. Here we go. In many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth and in different ways, God spoke of old to our forefathers in and by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us in the person of a son whom he appointed heir and lawful owner of all things also by and through whom he created the worlds and the reaches of space and the ages of time he made produced built operated and arranged them in order he is the sole expression of the glory of god the light being the outring or radiance of the divine and he is the perfect imprint and very image of god's nature upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power when he had by offering himself accomplished our cleansing of sins and riddance of guilt he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high taking a place and rank by which he himself became as much superior to angels as the glorious name to which he is inherited is different from and more excellent than theirs. Okay, so we're going to stop right here because I think that people need to understand God sent his son here. Okay. But here's what you need to roll it back and remember. Think of the kingdom of God as a family business. Okay? Think of think of this whole thing as a family business. This is God and his son, right? And so he was like, son, I created these humans in our image and in our likeness, and they messed up. And Jesus was like, hey, dad, I got this. I can handle this. Send me. Let me go. And they created this plan before the creation of time because the word says the lamb was slain um, before before the beginning even was, before time began. So, so God saw the end from the beginning. He saw this. He saw the need for Jesus. And Jesus saw it too because he and his father had this family meeting, right? And so they decided Jesus was going to come down and he was going to help save humanity. Or save humanity, not help. He did it. It's Jesus. Okay? So you need to understand that what you think is you just doing your best to get to heaven. God is sitting there saying, you're being prideful. (gasps) You're being prideful by thinking, oh gosh, what if I didn't do a good enough job today? That's prideful. Why? As a Christian, as a Christian to think, oh gosh, God, I hope I did enough today. I hope I please God. I hope that that God's happy with me. Oh, 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 I hope. 
That is God's version of pride. Did you know that? The world's version of pride is let me um, get on to that person or let me get upset with that person because they're prideful. They're holding their shoulders back, their heads held high, right? They're getting into a nice car. They are prideful. Look at them go. Do you know that's actually someone walking in the blessing of Abraham if they're a believer? Hallelujah. Right? The world's going to call us prideful because of how we carry ourselves, but it's because the world doesn't know how big we are. The world doesn't know who we are. And so it's our job to walk as sons and daughters of a king. And so, but the world has called that prideful. Why? Because the devil created society. The devil is, is working in society to try and ruin it. And so he's put all these things in there. And so he's called pride right? To think highly of yourself. And that's not true. You should be thinking higher than you have ever thought about yourself because God is inside you. Hallelujah. Okay. So we're not talking about that kind of pride. The kind of pride we're talking about is a biblical pride. And let me tell you an example. So the, the, the Israelites were out in the wilderness and they were um, asking God for a sign about every five minutes. They did get a sign. Like constantly, they had the cloud by night, they had the, or the fire by night and the cloud by day, right? They had manna every single day, except for Sunday. And on Saturday, they got two things of manna, two portions of manna. So it would last them, right? And so they had constant, endless miracles and they were faithless. They were faithless. And because of that, God said, these stiff-necked people, they will never enter my rest. Why? Because they were prideful. They thought, we don't need God's grace. We just need his signs. We don't need God's mercy. We just need his miracles, right? They had no interest in humbling themselves before the most high God. They had no interest in that. They had no interest in saying, God, you be God and let us be men. We're not you. They had no interest in that. Okay. They had none. All they cared about was show us the money, show us the sign, show us the land. Show me, 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 show me. And God was like, you're done. I'm out. I'm out. Moses had to talk him down, right? God is, we were made in God's image. He has real emotions. Moses had to talk God down. And he was like, listen, God, 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 don't, don't, don't smite them. Don't smite them. Listen, listen, you pulled us out of Egypt. You showed the whole world these are your people. You can't kill them. You can't kill them in the wilderness. That is how frustrating the Israelites were to God. And if you go and look at what the Israelites did over and over and over again, the minute they weren't getting their hand held by God, the moment they weren't getting a fresh word from heaven in that second, they collapsed. They had no faith. They had no faith. And honestly, I'm not sure they had to have faith in the moments God was talking because they could hear him. He was, he was hitting one of their senses, right? But faith does not hit your five senses. Devil, the devil, he's, he's not a faith devil. He's a flesh devil. He will only ever attack you in the five senses. He'll only ever attack you in the mind. He wants you to say, see what you see, hear what you hear. Do you understand that? Things are bad right now. Why? Because the devil's doing this all the time in the natural. Like he's just jumping around and dancing and shouting and, and trying to do anything he can to distract you from up above. Look up your redemption draweth nigh child. Do you understand? God is right there with you. He's in this moment with you, but he will not deal with you in the five senses. God will not operate in the five senses with you. He won't do it. His glory will manifest and you'll see, hear, feel, touch, and know them, 
right? You'll see his blessings. You'll see his manifestations of his goodness and his mercy. You'll see that in your five senses, but God himself is not going to come into your five senses. He's not going to sit down and stare you in the face. Why? Your five senses would explode. You would combust. He's too glorious. He's too magnificent for you in your flesh form. He can't do it. That's why he sent Jesus, not himself. God and Jesus. Yes, they're three in one, but guys, remember, Jesus is his son, okay? And so while my children are a lot like me, they are, they look like me, they have my mannerisms, right? My kids are so close to me, but they're not me, okay? Jesus isn't God. Jesus is God the son. Does that make sense? So so God himself too glorious, too holy, couldn't come down here. But Jesus, his son, could. Yeah, he's not the creator of the universe. He's not holding everything up with his purity and holiness. No, Jesus isn't doing that. God the Father is doing that. He's sitting in his role on the throne. Okay, Jesus can, however, move around. Jesus can touch sin because he's not the one holding up the universe. God is. Okay, so... All that being said, what you need to keep in mind is Jesus is God, the son. God is God, the father. And in a family, you have a father and a son. And while they look a lot alike and they have a lot of the same characteristics, maybe they have a family business, so they do a lot of the same things. They are not the same. We are not the bride of the father. We're the bride of Christ. Okay, there is a real difference. And so pray for revelation of that difference. But understand that you serve God and you serve Jesus, but they're two. You serve the Holy Ghost, but they're three in one. Okay, so we're we're dissecting the Trinity for a minute so that we can delve into what Jesus did. So keep in mind that even if you don't understand it, Hear what I'm saying and pray for revelation of it. There's God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. And I didn't move my hand there because there are three and yet there are one. They're up here, right? There are three and yet there are one, but there are three. The person of God the Father, the person of God the Holy Spirit, and the person of God the Son. And so the person of God the Son is what we're going to deal with today and what he did for you, okay? And what he did for me, glory. So here's what, now let's go back to the text because we're going to get into it. The writer of Hebrews is saying, Jesus is the sole expression of the glory of God, this light being, the outraying or radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. Jesus said, I only came, I only do what the Father says to do, I only say what the Father says to say, right? Because he talks to God all the time in his spirit. And he's like, I'm not doing anything of my own, which means the person of Jesus, his personality, his characteristics, they weren't portrayed in the gospels. You saw God, the father portrayed through his son in the gospels. Jesus was here on family kingdom business and he was working in the gospels. He was working. He wasn't playing. You didn't hear jokes cracked that he and the disciples were talking about as they were walking on the road. You didn't hear the humanness of Jesus. You didn't hear his favorite food or his favorite color. You don't know his favorite TV show, but you can, if you start talking to him, 
Okay, I do. I know those things. Why? Because I talk to Jesus. And I can tell you that my very personal experience here, he's a jovial guy. He's kind of a cut up. He's a goofball. Jesus is funny. Why? Because I got to know him as a person. I can tell you that. But I'm here to say that when Jesus was here on the earth, he was here to get some kingdom business done. He was here to accomplish the family business. Okay. And so you are not eligible. You're not qualified. You don't have the authority. And you're stepping on very holy ground when you go so far as to say, I probably didn't please God today. That's nuts. It's prideful. It's selfish. It's so self-centered that you don't even see God because he said he sent his son to die for you. His son died for you, for all your sin, for all your screw-ups, for all your inconsistencies. He died for you. He went to hell and suffered for three days in the pits of hell. The bulls of Bashan were circling him. He felt forsaken. He felt naked. He felt ashamed. He felt fear. And yet he knew he was getting up out of there. But he did that for you. He did that for me. Hallelujah. Jesus did that. He suffered on that cross. The pain and the humiliation he took here on earth was nothing compared to what he suffered in hell for those three days he had disappeared for, guys. Three days he suffered for our sins. And he rose. And the gates of hell were shaken. The keys of sin and death were taken. Hallelujah. And Jesus rose. And he poured his blood on the holiest of holies. And he paid the debt. He paid that that seemingly insurmountable debt of sin and death and shame and guilt and, and just pure evil that you and I have interacted with and experienced and engaged in in this life. In this sin-fallen world, we have engaged in a measure of sin and evil. We could not possibly be reconciled to the Father in that state. We couldn't. That's why the people that died before Jesus came, they were in paradise. They weren't in heaven. Does that make sense? That's where a lot of religions get this kind of purgatory situation. It's not, purgatory does not exist. Okay. But before Jesus came and poured his blood on the holiest of holies and people were allowed access to the father, they had to stay in paradise. So God kept them very safe. They weren't suffering. They were peaceful and loved, but they weren't in heaven. They weren't in heaven, guys. That's why he said he brought the captives up out. He brought the captives up and took them to heaven. Okay. Does that make sense? When he talked to the man that was on the cross, he said, surely today you will be with me in paradise, not heaven. Okay. This man believed in Jesus. He went to paradise. He waited with father Abraham until Jesus rose and he took the captives and he took them home to his father. And he said, dad, I'm home. It's done. Here's your kids. I'm sitting down. That was a lot, right? He did that. And I'm going so far into this because I want you to get the picture. I want you to understand Jesus suffered, died on the cross, got beaten. Okay. Suffered, uh, dead, gave up his spirit. Uh, he was supposed to have died a long time after he did, but he's, he's God, the son. He had the power to just give up his spirit. He said, father into your hands, I commit my spirit and he's out. That centurion, that guard that was at the bottom of his cross, he heard him. 
He heard him say that. He heard him yell it. He was supposed to have been suffocating. His lungs were supposed to have been filling with blood and suffocating because he was hanging. Gravity was supposed to be killing him. But he yelled. He wasn't supposed to have been able to get a breath out very soon after that. And he yelled and he gave up his spirit. And the centurion said, he was the son of God. Because that centurion had seen a lot of people die on that cross. And that's not how you did it. It's a long, slow, painful, suffering death. And Jesus hung for about six hours and he was out of there to a worse, worse experience. Okay. He went down to hell and he suffered for three days. Three days of torment. Psalms records some of Jesus's words. Okay. He was, he was scared. He was tired. He was beaten and bruised and he was in hell and he was paying for all of the sins of the whole world. It was not a comfortable moment. Okay. It was three days long. And then there was a sound from heaven heard in hell. And it said, heaven is satisfied. And Jesus rose. He stole the keys of sin and death. He embarrassed the devil right there in his resting place. He embarrassed him. He said, screw you, loser. And he got the keys of sin and death. He ran up to paradise. He grabbed those kids and he went on home. Poured his blood on the holiest of holies. He made a pit stop on earth to check on Mary. And he went straight up and poured his blood on the holiest of holies. And and it was done. It was finished. Hallelujah. He did that. So... What I'm trying to say is today, if you think you didn't smile at enough people or you didn't cast down enough thoughts, or maybe you had a cigarette when you were planning not to, or maybe you lost your temper today, right? I'm talking about all these little things that you've already repented for because you're sitting here and listening to me. I know you repented at this point, okay? You are being prideful, selfish, self-absorbed, and quite frankly, very carnal if you're sitting there thinking God's mad at you. What you're doing is you are spitting at Jesus and saying, what you did was not enough. Clearly, my works had to have been added as the cherry on top for God to be happy with me today. And Jesus is saying, "Uh, no, you don't. Huh? He did it all. And and as a parent, I can tell you from God, the father's perspective, his kid already completed it. He had to sit through his child suffering for you. You are also his child. Okay. But his firstborn suffered for you. Hallelujah. So don't sit there and tell the father, I just feel so sad today. I just feel like, gosh, do you even love me? Are you joking me? Are you joking? You can't be like that, guys. That is God's version of pride. Okay. So anytime you read in the Bible, there was pride. That pride is from Jesus and his blood didn't cut it. It didn't cut it. I can't be happy with my performance today. God's not happy with my performance. God does not care about your performance. Ladies and gentlemen, he, he does not care. He loves you. He's called you to great works in this life, but you're not the one accomplishing the works. You're just the vessel. He's doing it. 
All you have to do is do what the Holy Spirit says. Do you think that I came up with this idea for this ministry? Do you think I created a, a group that people get ministered to in? Do you think I come up with these messages or talk about this stuff? I don't. I don't do it. I read the Bible for decades before I got a revelation of what it was saying. Why? Because I can't understand it. It's not in me to understand it. The Holy Spirit has to reveal it to you. No one man can go to the word of God without the Holy Spirit and understand it. They can't. That's where you get all these stupid religions from. That's where you get all these people who make up these dumb rules like women are bad or can't have tattoos or, you know, whatever crap people want to tell you, whatever junk they can come up with, you can't drink coffee. That's not even in the Bible. Okay. But listen, right. All these dumb things, all these dumb rules that pastors and religions and spiritual leaders that you thought were very trustworthy threw at you, they were just not going to the word of God with the Holy Spirit. That's a result of that because the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God Almighty. And I have a news flash for you. God Almighty is a very chill God. Did you know that? He is a chilled out dude. God laughs at your enemies. He laughs at the plans of the wicked. You can't laugh if you're feeling stressed out about something. You only laugh if you're relaxed, right? Oh, ha, 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 ha. You're chilling. If your kid does something silly and you're hanging out with your spouse on a Saturday afternoon and the bills are paid and everything's done and the house is clean and you're going to go on a date later and life is just good, you can laugh at the silly things that go on, right? Because you're stress-free, right? Glory. God is stress-free. Did you know that? He's stress-free and he calls you to be stress-free because he already handled it. You have to understand that when you are on this earth as a believer in God most high and Jesus and the sacrifice he did for you and for me as a believer of God almighty and in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which means you believe in Jesus Christ. You've given your life to him. Okay, which means that all of the goodness, all of the grace, all of the mercy, all of the rightness and being right and doing right is in you. (gasps) Hallelujah. You are right. If you're being led by your spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. If you're not, you're not right. You're not right if you're walking by the flesh. You're not right if you're walking in the soulish realm and and making decisions based on how you're feeling that day. You're not going to be right. I'm not telling you you're right about any of that. You're not. But if you've sanctified and transformed your mind and renewed your mind to the word of God, if you make every decision based on did the Holy Spirit approve this, say this, or tell us to do this or not, If you're doing your life that way, if you live your life saying, God told me to move, I move. God didn't tell me to move. I'm staying right here. If you live your life based on the vision God gave you and you're walking that out, or if you're anywhere on that journey, right? If you're just in your spirit, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're right. 
all the time. You're anointed to solve the world's problems. You're anointed to be right. This is the kingdom of God. Any problem the world can come up with, you can solve it because you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There's something you need to understand about walking with God. And it's that you're now in the family. And if you could imagine with me for a moment, a grand corporation, let's think of something huge. Um, Google. Google's a big one. We've kind of seen them in movies sometimes. Google's a big operation, right? They've got lots of buildings. They've got a big campus, right? Glory to God. They're doing very well for themselves. Hallelujah. Um, <clears throat> let's say that your dad owns Google, okay? Your dad owns Google and, and you're his kid. And so no matter where you go in that building, you're allowed to be there because he's allowed to be there. And everyone knows your name and everyone knows you're his kid. No one's going to look twice at you. Nobody wants to piss off the boss's daughter or the boss's son. Nobody wants to do that. Okay, I don't want to do that. Glory. Okay, and so, and you have a badge to every room. You have a key to every door. Why? Because you are in with the owner, the guy that owns the company, the guy that can fire anybody in the room, the guy that created the room, the guy that hired the guys to build the room. You're his kid. So no matter what you do in that building, you're allowed to do that. Let's say your dad said, go anywhere, do anywhere, be anywhere, be at any meeting, run anything you want. I love you. Go. Okay. So you got a chill dad and dad said, go play in my, in my, in my business for the day. I don't care. Interrupt anybody you want to interrupt. Do anything you want to do. Whatever I tell you to do, just go do it. I don't care if anybody makes a funny face at you. I don't care if it interrupts their schedule. I'm the boss. I decided. That's your situation in the world. In the entire world, anything you can see, touch, hear, taste, or smell. Guys, it's yours. It's yours. God made it for you. These beautiful landscapes that Hollywood has, has taken over along the coast of California, all these beautiful places that these billionaires and millionaires have swept up, these gorgeous views. Guys, if they're not in Christ Jesus, they are not going to keep that land. They're not going to keep that house. They're not going to keep that property. It's going to end up being in the hands of the righteous because it says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for who? The just. And that's you. And that's me. We're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God is a just God. You are the just. You are the justified. You are the qualified. You are the called and you are the chosen. Which means, guys, that you have to, to change your identity from, I'm just trying to please this God in heaven who has these rules in this book and ah, knock it off. You're his kid. He already sent his oldest son, his firstborn Jesus, to die for you. And when you said, I love Jesus and I live for Jesus, God is smiling down at you like a newborn baby, right? Every time you repent, you're a newborn baby to God. He doesn't remember any of your past sins. He doesn't remember anything you've ever done wrong. The only time he knows about it is if you bring it up in your mind or out of your mouth. That's the only time God's made aware of it again. Once you've repented of it, it's dead to him. It's gone. It's erased. He scrubbed your record clean. Hallelujah. 
He scrubbed it clean. You don't have any, any, any sin anymore to him. The minute you repent, it's done. It's done, which means, guys, that he's happy with you. He's happy with you. He's happy with you. Thus saith the Lord. He is happy with you. God Almighty is happy with you, sweetheart. He loves you. He called you. He chose you. He watches over you. He stands there and watches you sleep at night. Hallelujah. Why? You're his kid. You're his baby. We watch our baby sleep. He watches you sleep. And what he's doing today through this call, or I'm sorry, through this sermon, is he's reaching through the screen and he's saying, baby, I love you, but I want to get closer to my child. I want to parent you. I want to grow you up in the word of God. I want to grow you up in Christ so that I can use you. And so you can be free of the burdens of sin and death. You can be free of the burdens of this world because you need to understand that if you're born again, you are no longer in this world. You may be standing directly on top of this earth, but you are not in this world again. You leave it. You say sayonara, but I'm never coming back. You don't post a long lengthy Instagram post. You don't tell everybody you know about it. You just leave quietly because it was never yours. You're of a different race. You're of a royal priesthood. You're of a holy nation, thus saith the Lord. It's in the word of God. It's there. When you go to this book with the eyes of God is proud of me, God loves me, let me see what he has for me, and you get in this New Testament especially, oh my gosh, it's just going to come alive to you. You're going to see what God's talking about here. You're going to see how good you are. Okay, let's go to verse 15 of chapter 2. That's going to help us today. Holy Spirit says that's where we need to go. Glory to God. All right. And also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. For as we all know, he, Christ, did not take hold of angels, the fallen angels, to give them a helping hand and delivering hand. But he did take hold of the fallen descendants of Abraham to reach out to them a helping and delivering hand. He came to pull you up out of the pit, not those angels. Those angels, those fallen angels, they made their choice. They're demons. They're in hell forever. Satan's in hell forever eventually. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Right now they're roaming the earth trying to possess people. It's it's not a big deal. As long as you're in Christ Jesus. So it is evident that it was essential that he be made like his brethren in every respect. So in this text here, it's referring to you as Jesus's brother. We're in the Amplified Classic here. So so if you're a sibling, you have the same father, right? You have this same father in heaven. So that's why the word is referring to you like that here. He be made like his brethren in every respect in order that he might become a merciful, sympathetic, and faithful high priest in the things related to God to make atonement and propitiation for the people's sins. For because, we're in verse 18 of Hebrews chapter 2, for because he himself in his humanity has suffered in being tempted, tested, and tried, he is able immediately to run to the cry of, assist, relieve those who are being tempted and tested and tried, and who therefore are being exposed to suffering. All right, so we're going to move on to chapter 3 for just a couple verses, and then we're going to talk about it. 
So then, brethren, consecrated and set apart for God, who share in the heavenly calling, thoughtfully and attentively consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest, whom we confessed as ours when we embraced the Christian faith. See how faithful he was to him who appointed him. So see how faithful he was to God the Father, as Moses was also faithful in the whole house of God. Okay, and he goes on to say that Jesus was was better than Moses because at that time people were worshiping Moses a little bit and being like, well, that wasn't in the law of Moses. And so he, the writer of Hebrews was having to combat all that, right? Okay, so <clears throat> here's my point. When, it's not my point, it's the Holy Ghost point because I, I had zero sermon prep for today. None, not a silt, not a thing. I read the text. I've been in the text. I know the text. I've studied the text. But as far as like writing down points, as you guys know, I don't do that. This is the Holy Ghost. So here we go. So it is evident that it was essential that he be made like his brethren, which means he was here in human flesh. Everything he accomplished, he did in human flesh. What does that mean? When Jesus rose, when he ascended after he had been walking with the disciples, after he was resurrected and he was walking for about 40 days, when he ascended, he said, greater works than these you'll do because I'm going to the father. And maybe that's not where he said it, but he did say that at one point. Jesus said, greater works than these I'll, you'll do because I'm going to the father. He gave them the great commission as he was ascending. So forgive me for that. Why did he say that? Why did he say that you can do the works he did and greater than these he'll do because he's going to the Father? How is that possible if somehow Jesus is this great, magnificent, mythical creature and you're just you? That's not true. It's not true that Jesus is some kind of superhero and you're you. It's not true that Jesus was able to perform all these miracles because he was God and you can't. That's not true. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's not accurate. Why? Because. Because you were raised and you were seated at the right hand of God the Father. You are seated in the heavenlies with Christ when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you walk with him. Okay, when you give your life to the Lord in every way and you're walking with Jesus and you call on Jesus, right? You're saved, you're holy, you're redeemed, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're holy. Hallelujah. You have the same anointing, the same abilities, the same call on your life that Jesus had. Jesus's call was to preach the good news of the kingdom of God that it is here. Jesus's call was to preach himself to the people, to show God's character and God's love for them, to preach the kingdom. That was Jesus's call. And the rest of our calls is to do the same thing. Preach the kingdom of God. Preach Jesus to people. I don't care that you're not called to the fivefold ministry. You're still called to preach the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're anointed to do that. And you have the ability to do that. The word says that, that all these signs, wonders, and miracles will follow those that believe. They will cast out demons. They will raise the dead. They will heal the sick. They will cleanse the lepers. They will give sight to the blind. The believers of Jesus, the followers of Jesus, they will do those things. The word did not say, the text did not say that the fivefold ministry will do those things. It said the believers of Jesus will do those things, which means if you're a believer of Jesus, you are qualified to raise the dead. Hallelujah. You're qualified to multiply the loaves and the fishes. I am so tired of hearing about people talk about how they are just so impressed with these miracles Jesus did. Why are you that impressed with it? I don't understand. I don't because you're supposed to be doing them. 
So stop putting the miracles as an idol and as a mantle in your life and instead say, I follow Jesus and put him as the head of your life instead of those miracles. Instead of what he did, do it for Jesus. Stop looking for the miracles and look for Jesus. You're not going to get another sign that the end is here. Read Revelations and look at the news and you can figure it out pretty simply, guys. The revelation will come to you if you seek it. Knock and you shall find. Seek and the door will be open to you. Stop thinking the miracles are the proof. You're the proof. I'm the proof. The fact that we're changed on the inside, the fact that you hear Holy Spirit conviction on the inside is the proof that God is real. It's the proof that you've been changed. Stop looking for a miracle and produce them. Thus saith the Lord. I'm a prophet of God and I'm qualified. Thus saith the Lord. Stop looking for the miracles and start producing the miracles. It is enough. Enough is enough. Stop looking for some more anointed person and get anointed yourself. It's time. We're at the end. Time's up. His spirit will be poured out onto all flesh. Go to school and prophesy. Go to work and lay hands on the sick. Raise the dead in the street. Do what you're called to do as the army of God. Thus saith the Lord. Enough is enough. It is time we rise up as the body of Christ. It is time we rise up as the bride of Christ, as the church was meant to be here on the earth, which is the answer to all the problems, which is the kingdom operating in full operation in all the gifts of the Holy Spirit and all the fruits of the Holy Spirit. If you do not bear fruit, you will be cut off, the word says. The fruits of the Spirit are patience and forbearance and long-suffering, their goodness their mercy. We can list them all. We can go through the fruits of the spirit. But if you're not producing patience in your life, if you're not producing goodness in your life, if you're not producing love in your life, you are a branch that is at risk of being cut off. Thus saith the Lord, it is time to wake up, get up to a higher level, get up to where God is. Stop playing it safe. Stop playing it in the world system. If your life looks like the world, you are doing something wrong. Thus saith the Lord, you should have not just one element. Every element of your life should look so drastically different and so much like heaven that earth can't even comprehend it, that earth can't even see it, that earth can't mimic it. There's going to be a level of wealth in this earth before Jesus comes back that the sinners can't obtain. The sinners will never be able to get to the level of wealth the children of God will be able to get to because it's our inheritance package. It's our inheritance in the blessing of Abraham. It's our inheritance in God Almighty. But you have to be holy and you have to have an understanding and a revelation of the financial plan of God to be able to walk in it. And not everybody has that because they're not qualified. You're not qualified because you've not made yourself holy. You haven't made yourself holy because you haven't considered God to be important enough to spend time on. You haven't considered Jesus' sacrifice worthy enough to sacrifice yourself. And until you see Jesus' sacrifice as the sacrifice and that anything you do is mere pennies compared to what he's done, until you see it for what it is, you're not going to give anything up. You're just going to say, well, too bad. Jesus may have given up everything for me, but I'm just going to keep living my life and I'll say Jesus at the last breath and I'll make it into heaven by the skin of my teeth. And I'm telling you right now, you're in the last days and you don't have that option. You don't. You've heard this message. You don't have that option. You're held to the responsibility of knowing. If you were one of those people, you wouldn't know what you know today. You wouldn't have sat this far through the sermon. I'm telling you that right now. That's a truth. You are called to something greater. The sin that's still in your life, get it out. Ask God to reveal it to you, root it out, cast out a demon, whatever you need to do, but get it done. 
because God already gave you the power to get it done. And you need to do that today, thus saith the Lord, because he doesn't have time to work with unholy vessels. He won't. And he loves you and he's so compassionate and caring. But you know what? I'm not him. And he sent me to tell you some harsh things. And the harsh truth is you got to get up out of that seat. You got to get on your knees. You need to repent to the Lord most high. And you need to say, God, I'm ready to get serious today. Today's the day I get serious with you. Today's the day. There's not a single thing I say I struggle with because you've already taken everything, Jesus. And so I'm just going to accept what you did and I'm going to call it into me. I'm going to use my faith that you can solve this problem for me today. I'm going to use my faith that this is already done. You're going to pray it out and you're going to let it go. Leave it at the cross, walk away and live in peace. Thus saith the Lord. Live in peace. Thus saith the Lord. Stop striving for God's promises. He already gave them to you. Stop working for what you think God wants you to work for and get his plan for your life. Get his vision for your life. He gave you a step. Great. Say, Lord, what's the big picture here? Where are we walking to? Where are we walking to, Lord? And if he says you're not ready for that or you're not getting it, it's because you're not ready for that. So get ready and get in this word and get out of the world and turn your phone off. Thus saith the Lord, turn it off. Some of you have so many people texting and calling you every single day. You don't have time to sleep or eat. Turn your phone off, thus saith the Lord. Get right with God Almighty. Spend time in his word. Spend time with him. Turn the video game console off. Turn the TV off and get you a paper Bible and sit down and repent and say, God, please show me something and put something in me when during this session that when I get up out of here, the world is no longer appealing to me. And no matter what happens in that session, you come back and you do it again and you do it again and you do it again and you listen Because prayer is a conversation. Prayer is not you just spilling out the details of your day or complaining or asking for a nicer car and a nicer house and a nicer spouse and a nicer kid. That's not what prayer is. Prayer is a spiritual communication with God most high. So you can say all those things, but when you're done saying them, you need to sit down and shut up and wait for God to talk to you because you're you and he's him and get a Get the gravity of the holiness of this situation. Remember who you're talking to for a minute. Get some reverence for God. This is one thing I learned early in life is that you need to have reverence for God most high. You need to have reverence for Jesus. You need to sit there and not be worried about everything else and get some holiness on you. Okay, get some holiness in you. Hallelujah. But it starts with a reverence for God, a holiness, a respect for his holiness. Thus saith the Lord. And a lot of you are so busy wearing jeans to church and being casual and having a band play that you haven't gotten a revelation of his holiness. Some of you need to go to a church where they don't clap for a minute and see how it feels to sit in the presence of God without a bunch of noise. Get quiet before God. Get quiet before the Lord most high and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I missed. I repent. In Jesus name, show me something. Just talk to me. What's your plan for my life? What do you have going on? How's your day going, God? Have you thought that maybe you could have a relationship with him, a fellowship with him instead of a transaction with him? A lot of you go to the word and you go to God and you fast all in a very transactional way. You have a transaction with God most high. I need something. I'm going to fast. I need something. I'm going to pray. I need something. Let me go to the word. I'll just flip it open and I'm going to find it. 
The word is not a magic eight ball, thus saith the Lord. How about you take five seconds and ask the Holy Spirit where you should go and get a prescription, a divine prescription for your situation instead of a random verse. It may work, it may not, but I'm gonna tell you right now, it's unholy to think that you can't take an extra 30 seconds. It really takes five seconds, but let's say it takes you 30. Let's say it takes you 30 seconds to listen for the Holy Spirit to tell you what verse to go to. Is that really taking that much time out of your day? Are you that busy? The busiest people in the world are not that busy that they can't take 30 seconds and listen to the Holy Spirit, okay? And I say this in love, guys. I say this in so much love, but this is the way the Lord has dropped it in my spirit. And this is the way he's, he's, he's told me to project it. Okay. This is God. This is not Holly. Holly has no authority here. I have no standing. I'm just a vessel lending my vesseling to the Lord, lending my voice to God. I am not doing this. I didn't have any of this planned. Hallelujah. Glory to God. But you need to understand that God did have this plan and God had this designed for you to hear today. Why? Because he's calling you higher. He's calling you so much higher and all you have to do is say yes. All you say is say, God, I missed it. Dad, I'm so sorry. Help me fix it. And he is a good daddy and he will fix it. How many of you have kids or a good parent out here on the earth and you mess up and you're like, man, I'm so sorry. I missed it. And they're like, honey, it's okay. Let's just fix it now. It's all good. That's how God is. He is not sitting there going, why? His wrath has already been poured out on Jesus. Jesus took all of God's wrath. He took all of the holy judgment for your sin. He took all of the judgment for your pride and your selfishness and your self-centeredhood. He took all of the, the heat for it. So that all you have to do is say, God, I missed it. I'm sorry. Forgive me in Jesus name. I repent in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's a powerful prayer. I don't think people talk about repentance enough, but we should be. You need to have your repentance gun locked and loaded, ready to catch any disobedience in your life, any disobedience in the word in your mind, right? You are supposed to be casting down every single thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God most high, which means if you're sitting there and you've prepared for your test and you've prayed over the fact that you're going to get an A on your test, right? And you've studied, you've done what God's told you to do. You got some good sleep. You ate a good breakfast. You're sitting there. You're ready to go. And you start feeling worried and fear about what if I miss it? What if I get it wrong? What if I blank? What if I that's a demon or that's the devil, right? That's trying to attack your mind. Okay. That's fine. You're not in trouble for that part. You're not in trouble for any part. As long as you repent, that's the part I'm trying to get to you. Okay. But, but that part's not a sin to have those thoughts come in your brain. And that's something I needed to learn. That's something the Lord had to reveal to me because I really thought every time I had an intrusive thought, I had done something wrong. And that's not true. Okay. Those intrusive thoughts, they come from the devil. They come from your flesh or your soulless realm. That's not the problem. The problem is if you latch onto it with your consciousness and say, oh my gosh, you're right. Oh my goodness. Cause that thought's going to come in first person. The initial thoughts are going to come in first person. You're going to think, wow. Okay. I think this, I didn't know. I thought this, I thought I was confident. I guess I'm not confident. Why am I not confident? It's because I'm going to fail. Why am I going to fail this test? Of course I'm going to fail this test. Why was I thinking I could ever pass this test? That's what so many people do. That's what you've done in your head before. I know it because Holy Spirit's telling me that is of the devil. You know, a godly way to handle that situation. Do you know the right way to handle that situation? Cause there's only one way. You're sitting there, you're ready, you're, you're set. And that intrusive thought comes. Maybe it's a lot of them. Oh my gosh, I'm going to fail this test. I'm going to fail this test. Wait a minute. That's not my thought. That's not my thought. 
down in Jesus' name. Flee in the name of Jesus. And you can say it all in your spirit. You can say it all in your mind. And you say it. And thoughts will leave you. And you'll stay in your spirit. And you'll stay in the knowledge of God. And you'll stay in the knowledge of, of the fact that you have this and you're okay. Right? Glory to God. But you've got to catch those thoughts in your conscious and your subconscious. And cast them down every time. I cast that thought down. That woman's beautiful. Okay, that great. Great. That's one, that woman's beautiful. That's fine. That's a fine thought. That's a human creation. That woman is so hot. I want to bang her brains out. Whoop. That's lust. That's lust. Oh my gosh, that's lust. Okay, you had the thought. Your flesh had the thought. Okay, still not a sin. We're still not sinning. Oh my gosh, that woman's hot. I want to bang her. No, I don't. No, I don't. I am crucifying the flesh. I do not. That is a woman of God. That is a creation of God most high. Even if she's not saved yet, I pray for her in Jesus name. Amen. Pray for that woman. Pray for those women. Pray for those men. Women, if you're struggling with this too, pray for that person. Whether you're angry with them, whether you're having lust for them, whether you're, you're struggling with them in some capacity, pray for them first. When you pray for them, you, you take the flesh and the soulish realm out of it and you interact with them in the spirit. Don't know each other after the flesh, know each other after the spirit, brethren. That's what Paul said in one of his letters. Know each other after the spirit, know each other in the spirit. Don't know them as your neighbor, Fred, who Moses lawn on Thursdays, know him as a, a child of a King, right? And who's born again or who needs to be born again and pray for their spirit because you see their spirit going one of two places. Pray for them. Pray for their spirit. Okay. And all of a sudden, when you start praying for that woman that you at first wanted to use as a flesh toy, you'll realize that woman has a spirit and that spirit's going one of two places and God made that spirit and God made you and God didn't anoint you to be with that woman. Otherwise there'd be a lot of other factors at play. But you just saw her walking down the street and you've been happily married for 12 years. So maybe you just sit down and shut up and you cast that thought down in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what the Lord has for us today. This is what the Lord's been saying. This is not my thoughts. This is not Holly. Please just forget that I'm here. Hallelujah. Okay. This is all the Lord had for us today. The point of the matter is you are righteous. God loves you. Stay out of pride, stay out of lust, stay out of fear, cast the thoughts down in your mind constantly, say constantly, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I want you to speak it out of your mouth out loud, whether you're doing dishes or you're reading a book to your kids, you're driving down the street in your car, you're walking down the hallway at school, whatever it is that you're doing. I want you to say, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's your assignment from this sermon because everything you hear, you have to walk out of here knowing you need to do something new, right? Knowing there's, there's something for me to do. There's something for me to latch on. The gospel is tangible. The kingdom is tangible, right? And so today what I'm imploring you to do is walk out of here and every single day, every single minute of the day that you have free, right? I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Get it inside you. Get it inside you, thus saith the Lord. Get it inside you. I'll put a graphic up here. You can screenshot it and crop it and use it. You can make your own in any random app you can think of, right? They make these graphic apps. Um, I was so enamored with them when I first saw them. I was like, how did you do that? And it's like, oh, it's just an app. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, Word swag is one. Canva is one. You can look those up and make your own graphics, make your own confessions and just write it down. What is the Holy Spirit giving you to confess today? I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's your first one. 
for 24 hours. I want you to write that down. I want you to confess it every second you get. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You don't have to say it 20 times in a row and then take it. Like, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying every time it occurs, I am the, I have a free moment. Okay. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And you meditate on it. Think on it in your brain. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Why? Because when you speak something out of your mouth, you're using the power God gave you. I have a little secret for you. And it's a good one. It's a mystery of the kingdom of God. And it's this, when you speak it out of your mouth, you have authorized it to be. You have authorized it to be. When you speak it out of your mouth, you have authorized it to be. Why? Because you're made in God's image, baby. And what did God do when he made the world? He said, let there be light. And some translations say he just said light be and light was. What are you saying out of your mouth today? It has power. It carries authority. You are authoring it. So if you say over and over again, oh man, I'm so clumsy. I'm so clumsy. I'm so clumsy. I'm probably going to trip and fall. I'm probably going to trip and fall. I'm so clumsy. I'm so clumsy. I'm so clumsy. You're going to trip a lot because your brain, your body is already prepped. You know what's going to happen. And you've spoken it out. And there is spiritual law behind things you speak. That's why the the natural world thinks manifestation is a thing and they meditate and all that stuff. Why? Because they're implementing spiritual law. And because they're a human and they're made in God's image, even though they're not saved, that's how much power you carry as a human being. That's why the devil wants to attack you. That's why the demons want to get inside you and possess you because you carry that much authority as a human being, saved or unsaved. You carry a lot of authority as a human being because you're made in God's image and God's likeness. You're meant to be saved. You're meant to be hook up with the creator of the universe. But if you don't, all that authority is going to be used for evil. Everything you speak out of your mouth is going to be used in your life, one way or the other, good or bad. So if I were you, and I've been you before, I'd get real quiet real fast until you know what to say. And what you need to say is this book. This is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. But how do you wield this sword? You speak it. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I am the lender and not the borrower. You know, I say that all the time. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender, not the borrower. And you know what? When I started confessing that I felt stupid. I'm not going to lie to you. I thought God was an idiot because I was like, I feel like a complete moron right now. This sounds so dumb. I am the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender, not the borrower. Meanwhile, I didn't have 20 bucks in my bank account. But you know what? I kept saying that and a lot of other spiritual things happened alongside of it. But I kept saying that. I was so in seed. I was believing God. But I kept saying that. My family kept saying that. My husband said it. My kids said it every day. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. We are the lender and not the borrower. And do you know what? In every situation in our life, we are finding that to be true. God is working out every single situation in our life to be that we are the head and not the tail. We're above and not beneath. And we're the lender and not the borrower. And we have seen all three of those come into play so many times I can, I'm just, I feel like I'm watching God just take my life from this desert, awful place and turning it into a garden. Cause that's what the word says he does. I'm just like watching it go from this barren wasteland to this beautiful garden of Eden that I live in every single day. The, there are plants growing outside my house that I did not plant. No seeds were strewn. And yet, and we've lived here for two years now. 
It didn't grow last year when I was in discipline and pouting and ignoring God. But this year, since I've been doing everything God's ever asked me to do, the plants are growing. All of creation is celebrating the fact that sons and daughters of God have been revealed in this place. That's what the word says will happen. It's happened in my life. I'm telling you this stuff because it's true. This is fruit you bear when you're holy. Do you understand? I'm not patting myself on the back here. I'm just telling you a fact. I'm a holy person. I'm holy. And because I'm holy, God can do all the things I'm telling you about. And when you get holy and you strive after him with everything, and you don't have to strive, you don't have to toil, you just yearn for him, you reach out to him, you seek him, you don't strive, you seek and he will find. How many kids say mom and they find her in the store? They find her in the store or they find her in, in the house or kids lost and they say, mom, dad. And the parent just appears out of nowhere. That's your life, baby. That's your life. All you have to do. I know you don't feel it. I know you. it doesn't look like it. I know that. But you just say, dad, God, father, Jesus, help me. And you look with a humble heart and a holy heart and you just sit there and know that God has heard you and you're quiet. And you know what, guys, God's going to start talking to you. He is because he wants to talk to his children in this last generation. He has to talk to his children. If we're all going to be prophesying and seeing visions and dreams and and his spirit being poured out on all flesh, he's going to have to talk to all of us. And he wants to, thus saith the Lord, but he's got to have someone who's willing to listen and have an open heart. The Jesus already did it. He divinely exchanged his life for yours. He divinely exchanged his righteousness for your sin. And he paid for it so that you could now walk in holiness. You can now walk in right standing with God. You can come boldly to the throne of grace. You can know that you're seated at the right hand of God with Christ Jesus. Every single day you sit on the throne in the throne room, even if you're walking here on the earth. This is the kingdom of God. Pray it be revealed to you. Watch this a couple more times if you need to. Get in this word and read it. Thus saith the Lord. This has everything you need in it. Holy Spirit has everything you need to get this walked out. Okay, so we love you. We're praying for you. God loves you. And remember, show up, be brave, and God will do the rest. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.